0: Song of David mm-hmm. endures forever. Alleluia, alleluia, Jesus Christ, the King, A cusum and Stand with the fear of God. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Bless, O Lord, the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Blessed be. comes in the name of the Lord, our Lord, God, Savior, and King of us all. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to whom is glory forever and ever. Amen. Do not let your heart be troubled. Have faith in God. Have also faith in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will return and receive you to myself. So that where I am, you may be there also. You know where I am going. And you know the way? Thomas asked him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus replied to him, I am the way, the truth. to the father except through me if you had known me you would have known my father also from now on you know him and you have seen him Philip said to him Lord show us the father and that will be enough for us Jesus answered, I have been with you for such a long time. And still do you not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I tell you I do not speak from myself. When the Father who lives in me accomplishes his works, believe me that I'm in the Father, not the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves.
1: the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos enisti. Adithos enisti. I had um, a a sermon prepared and I'm not sure if I'm going uh, to use it because as I was reading it um, I wondered if it might be a better idea to meditate on something different than um, than I had planned. Um, So we will see. Um, today is the sixth Sunday of Pentecost, and so the reason for this gospel reading, if I understand correctly, is because of the Ascension. This reading is taken. This is the farewell speech um, of our Lord to the apostles right before, um, right before the Passion um, that he went through. And in this section, um, he's telling them that I'm leaving. Um, that it's important for me to leave, and that I'm leaving to the Father, I'm leaving to prepare a place for you, and also if I don't leave, you won't receive the Holy Spirit. So this is John 14, and then you'll see that John 15 and 16 are, are, are almost all completely about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so the reason I, this is, is being read on this day in particular is because the Feast of the Ascension, um, when, he, when he leaves to the Father, is on thursday um and then the earnest or the promise of the holy spirit is is next sunday and so the church is helping us to to go through those things so i might use this one prepared but first i think i just depending on how long it takes i'd like to just explain why this is a, why this is a big deal I, I for me personally i did not understand why ascension was such a big deal um growing up but it's it's a very big deal um, As usual, that takes us back to Eden, right? So if we go back again to understand the nature of our origins, if we understand the nature of what it is that that was our design of who we are, is that God had created us in the garden with one desire, only for us to live in unity with him. And the natural way of anything created was to die and is to die, right? Anything that's material... Material is finite, therefore anything material is finite and dies. But God, when he designed us, gave us um, things that he didn't give to the rest of creation. So when he made man, he made man specifically in his image and likeness, which we've talked a lot about throughout the fast, throughout the the Holy Week, um, which I won't go into in, in crazy detail, but suffice it to say that God allowed us to be himself. He gave us his own DNA. Um, and he called us to be specifically his children. And this gift of image and likeness, he did not give to the rest of creation. He did not give even to the angels. And so this was a source of, of this is a great gift, right? That's being given to us, that God of all of creation decided that he was going to allow somebody to partake in his own self, right? Or as, as we read in the, in the epistles, um, to be partakers of the divine nature. Um, now unfortunately as the story goes um, we spurned this gift Right, so in the garden we chose um, to sin this was a problem for obvious reasons um, but it was a particular problem because what God had given us was not just his image and likeness but God had given us the indwelling in man of his own self and so The reason why we were not dying, which we should have in the garden um, as mortal beings, was because we had received the Holy Spirit himself dwelling within our members. Um, You can find this in St. Cyril of Alexandria, you can find this in St. Athanasius, um, the apostolic. Um, It's not something that I'm, I'm making up today, but that because of the indwelling of God himself, we were imbibing from him life. And because of it, we were able to conquer the natural effect of being a human, which is to die. Okay? So from God himself, we received immortality and received incorruption. And we were going to be going against our nature. Sometimes the fathers compare this to um, the Ark of the Covenant, right? That the Ark of the Covenant was just wood. It was just wood. But when overlaid with gold the dignity of the wood became much higher than the dignity of wood because it was overlaid with gold. And at the same time, um, the gold's value didn't diminish by being in contact with the wood. So sometimes this is used to understand the indwelling of God in us, and sometimes it's used to understand how how Christ was both God and man at the same time. And so we were elevated beyond our actual um, intrinsic um, value, if, if, if you will. And I don't mean value in terms of how much I'm worth to someone, but in terms of my, my, my actual quality, the, the characteristics and properties of what it means to be a man, they were elevated by the indwelling of God. But then we see that in Genesis, that we fought with the Holy Spirit. We fought with God by choosing to remain in sin. And that's why God makes a statement of saying, my spirit is no longer going to wrestle with man. I will be with him for a season, and I will leave, which is I'm, I'm trying, but I can't. And this is, as we've said many times, not because God is just angry, but because there's no coexistence between light and dark. Okay? Now, as a result, we became subject to mortality. We became subject to corruption. And I know this is going to seem all theological right now, but it'll, you'll understand where this, this goes, God willing, in, in a little bit. Fast forward throughout all the Old Testament. We're not going to go through all of that again. Is to say that when Christ came, Christ said, "I have come as a light of the light into the world, and I'm come to restore you, because you were created by my Father through me and by the Holy Spirit, and you rejected us. You become estranged from the Father." because you rejected the father, not because the father rejected you, but because you rejected the father. So I'm coming so that you might have life. I'm coming so that I can reconcile you once more to the father whom you have shunned by taking on all of humanity in my flesh. Right. I am coming to fix that. You die and are corrupt because I am going to conquer death and corruption in my own flesh. And that's what we celebrated in the feast of the resurrection, right? So in the feast of the resurrection, we saw that for the first time in history, a human being conquered death. I think we don't always remember that when we're talking about resurrection, right? But, but the big deal for humanity is that man rose. Christ as fully human right? Fully human, rose. That opened the door that every single one of us can rise, right? That's why St. Paul, when we were reading the epistles um, in, in the Feast of Resurrection, we've said it multiple times in the sermons, if the resurrection is not real, we're miserable. So that's what we've been celebrating this last period of saying, this is incredible. At the same time, because of our enmity with God, We couldn't dwell with God. We refused him. And we left the the, the immediate presence of God that was found in, in Eden, this access that we had to him. And so in the Feast of the Ascension, which is on Thursday, for the first time in human history, man has physically entered once more into the presence of God, into the heaven of heavens. That's a really big deal. If Christ didn't enter into heaven, we as humans would not be able to enter heaven. And so for that reason, God, was, uh, God our, our, our Lord, the incarnate son, was fixing for us in the ascension yet another thing. The problem of our, our, our ability to live in paradise. Where he says, I will enter in so that you may enter in. And I will enter in with flesh. With these holes in my hands, I will enter so that you also can enter. And on the Feast of Theophany, he fixed yet another major thing. The Lord is fixing so many things for us. The Holy Spirit that had left us came and remained on him. That once again, humans could have the Holy Spirit come on them and remain on them. Unlike in Genesis, where we received the Holy Spirit, but it did not remain because of our sin. And so the church has fittingly chosen these readings so that we can understand what's going on on Thursday, and so that we can celebrate what happened on what's happening next Sunday. Next Sunday is when the Holy Spirit came and remained on the church, individually and as a whole, corporally, as a body. So this is, these are absolutely historic, monumentous moments in the history of all of humanity. They're not small things, and I think that we, we take them for granted. And that we're, it's not for nothing that we're shouting Sinisti, um, for 40 days. And then on Thursday, we shout Christ is risen and ascended. And then from Friday on, Christ has risen, or Sunday on, Christ has risen and ascended. And then we sing for the next Um, all the way to the Feast of the Apostles, a month roughly this year or so, we will be singing of the Holy Spirit being sent to us, the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, which is the following of these chapters. We're living these moments in the life of the church. So I thought it was very important just to understand that. And that if you want to live the resurrection properly, you have to ask whether you have become light or not. Because if God is in us, the light of the world, it is imperative that we also shine out. Otherwise, we are the ones that are actually um, in darkness. So I'll meditate briefly on what I had prepared, but I won't spend as much time on it, so I don't keep you all for, for too long. But I just want you to now take it to a human perspective, to understand where the apostles were at during this time. Because up to the ascension... The Lord was with the apostles, right, more or less. And we've been celebrating that time of victory. Now, imagine if you've seen a great tragedy after spending a long time with a certain friend. You've known each other for a really long time, grown super close, um, and the person was suddenly in an injury or a coma, When that person comes to, you're going to be a lot more happy. You're going to be joyous. You're going to want to talk. You're going to want to joke. You're going to want to laugh. You're going to want to catch up. You're going to like unwind all of the worries and anxieties that you had about the person when they were in their coma. You're going to have all of these things. And you're going to, you're even going to feel closer to the person because of that experience of feeling like you were about to lose them. And you're not going to want to lose one another again. But at some point you are gonna say goodbye. There's always a point of time where there's a goodbye. There's gonna be a death at some point. And this is what happened with the apostles. The Lord had snatched them from their lives, taught them, spent time with them. And then he was murdered. And they thought that was the end. But then miraculously, he comes back to life. He comes back to life and he's been spending the last 40 days with them. Most Christians want to spend their lives in the state of those 40 days, right? Most of us, we would like to be pampered. We want to feel victorious. We want to feel like we're in that state that lets us gloat in front of our enemies. This person that you thought was dead is alive. (laughs) Christos Anisti, ha ha ha, we're untouchable. Unfortunately, it's not possible to live in the 40 days at all times. The 40 days do come to an end. We're always going to be victorious over death, but the reality is that there's going to be suffering. And that's why in today's gospel, the Lord said, you know, the time is coming that I'm leaving and you're going to suffer. And so he asked them first to believe Because only first in expressing their belief could he tell them what comes next, which is, it's going to cost. There's going to be suffering. Because there comes a time where we have to mature. Okay, As children, we're spoiled by our parents up until a certain age, at which point the parents sometimes have to let go and let their children experience things. They need to have fights at school, conflicts at work, they need to have periods of financial instability. We need to experience hardship in order to grow. That's why we're told in the Bible, we must by many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Our Lord calls the believers my little children because children grow and children grow with growing pains. This is true even physiologically. And the Lord had given the disciples everything that they needed. He gave them humanity, all as a whole, humanity as all as a whole, everything that we needed. And now is the time for the Lord to say, I've taught you what you need to know. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we can suffer because of the gospel. The suffering of the apostles, he said, was going to be by his leaving, because he was leaving them with a mission, but he wasn't going to be the one there anymore like he was before. And a true believer must preach. A true believer preaches both by word and by deed. And doing this means tribulation, and it means tribulation because the world rejects it, because the world rejects it. And that's why our Lord said, they hated me, and they will hate you. This is part of this farewell discourse that he has. He said, no disciple is greater than his master, that what they do to me, they're going to do to you. And that's what happened. We've been reading about St. Paul's trials and tribulations through the Praxis readings the last couple of weeks, for those of you who are reading all the readings. The epistle of St. Peter that we were reading today, if you read the the epistles earlier, was written while he was in prison. He was suffering. St. Paul was doubly suffering. Not only were the Jews hating on him for what they viewed as his betrayal of Judaism, but because he was spending his time with the Gentiles. So he's persecuted extra by the Jews and extra by the Gentiles, by both. And we too will suffer for the gospel. When you disagree with your colleagues or your friends because of your beliefs, you may be mocked. I have been mocked in public for wearing the black galavela by teenagers who think it's hilarious. When you refuse to have sex or date prematurely, your peers will think you are weird or worse. We will suffer for the gospel because the gospel is a sword. The gospel is a sword. Something is right or it is wrong. And when we disagree, it's uncomfortable. I use this analogy a lot, but think of smokers and non-smokers. There's an awkward moment when the smoker goes outside. This moment of confrontation where the smoker is doing something different than the non-smokers that elicits some kind of response. Even if no one's saying anything, there's just this feeling of, this is the part where I'm different. Right? That's what... What happens when we take stances on things? It creates left and right. That's why there's a sword. Properly dividing the the word of of truth is that there's this line that gets cut of saying, is this right or is it wrong? People don't like to be different. And they don't like the idea of being called wrong. None of us like being told we're wrong. We should like being told we're wrong when we're wrong. Most of us don't. And the gospel is why thousands of Christians have fled Libya, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Nigeria, Indonesia, Egypt. The gospel is why dozens of Ethiopians have been slaughtered in Libya. We remember our 21, but sometimes we forget that the Ethiopians gave many away as well. And so we're going to suffer because of the gospel, and we're going to suffer because of others. That people's disbelief can cost us our lives, physically or socially. The disbelief of others will affect us. They might laugh at our morals, they might laugh at our decisions, they might mock our faith. A lot of us don't appreciate what it cost our parents in Egypt, um, for those of us who, who come from Egypt, sorry, is that we're not familiar with the experience of a Christian not being able to get a promotion a Christian not being allowed into grad school, a Christian not being allowed to be a lecturer, a Christian not being allowed to run for politics, a Christian not allowed to be chief of department at the hospital because of their faith. These are things that we're not as accustomed to. But I do think that we're starting to see that in North America. I think we're starting to see that certain physicians might not allow a Christian into an obs program if they are anti-abortion. We're seeing that Christians might not be trusted in social positions because there'll be fear that because they don't believe that homosexuality is the right expression of of sexuality, that therefore they are going to persecute homosexuals. These are the kind of things that we're starting to see. You will suffer because of others. This, This gospel is relevant. It's not theoretical. And here's why our Lord asked us whether we believed or not. Suffering will only have meaning if it's for something true. Suffering doesn't mean anything if you're suffering for something that's fake. Otherwise, your suffering was in vain. If a person is deprived of something, they suffer. Or at least they feel like they're suffering. If I want to lose weight, but I love food, I suffer and I'm deprived of food, even if others think it's a great idea. That I try and lose weight. If I want to go out late with my friends but I have swim practice in the morning, I suffer because I wanted to do something and end up not being able to do it. If I felt though the joy of being healthy, I'll want to keep it. If I felt the thrill of getting first place in a competition, I'm going to want to practice. The disciples had the thrill of being with our Lord for three and a half years, and they had the thrill of witnessing his resurrection. And so there is a meaning to their suffering because they had experienced the risen Lord. They knew that what they were believing in was true. The knowledge of something greater gives a person hope in hard times. It gives them reason in the hard times. You can say, I know why I'm doing this. I know why I'm depriving myself of food. I know why I'm depriving myself of the late night chill session tonight because of practice tomorrow. I know why. The meaning is present to me. The choosing, the act of using their, their their free will does uh, deny something that most people think are fine, but it's their way of showing what has meaning. What you choose shows what you believe has meaning. Think about that. Every choice you make signifies what you believe has meaning, subjectively. What remains is to ask, Is does it have meaning objectively? That's a more important question. But our Lord leaves us with a message that we have no need to fear the tribulations. We're not living for a wrong message. By living the right message, yes, we will suffer, just as he did. But we don't need to fear it because it's not the goal. It's not the end. Because as we've been celebrating for the last 40 days, it's not the end because Christos anisti. He already overcame and he will overcome with us. The peace that we have is in him. Put your peace in the world and you will lose it because the world is unstable. Put your peace in him and you will overcome because he already overcame. You'll go through what he went through, yes, just like he said, but you'll be okay because even as he went through it, he overcame it. This is the power of Christ's risen. This is the power of vanquishing death, that we walk the path that is before us, but it has been conquered. It has been rendered weak because it has been overcome. And then he's saying to us, and I know that it's gonna be hard for you when I'm not with you in the body. I have to leave in the body. I'm gonna go open paradise for you. But I know that it's gonna be hard because I'm leaving, and so I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that I have, I have acquired on your behalf now you can have in your flesh, you will not be alone. And that where the spirit is, he will remind you of me and he'll bring me to your remembrance and that he will bring my father to you. But then we're told by him that I am in my father. And so the coming of the Holy Spirit really means that the Holy Trinity dwells in you. The Holy Trinity dwells in all of us if we work with him. We can vanquish the spirit. We can um, spurn the spirit. We can extinguish the spirit. But we have to live in the spirit. He didn't leave us without hope. He didn't say goodbye without a pledge of help. He acknowledged how how we might feel alone as men but that we're not alone because the Father is with us. And he gave us that gift. He gave us a pledge that we wouldn't actually belong the earnest or the promise of the Holy Spirit. And that is what we will celebrate next week. And so the most important question for you to ask yourself as we head into the Ascension and the Pentecost is what our Lord asked of the apostles at the beginning of this, to believe. Do you believe? If you believe that you will know that it has a cost, but you will also know that this cost is meaningless because the investment is guaranteed because our Lord has overcome, our Lord has emerged victorious. Christos Christ is risen from the dead, trampling death by his death and unto those in the tomb bestowing life. To him be glory, honor, majesty, and might forever and ever. And to the age of ages, amen, go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all.